Okay, we are in week three of our Sunday morning barbecue. You guys hungry? Starving. <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of dumb. Okay, so um, in the past few weeks, we have been answering your guys' questions. If you have different comments about the Bible, we're going to be tackling those things. So far, we've been talking about uh, dinosaurs. We talked about, are we going to have different personalities in heaven? What about free will? Are we going to know other people in heaven? What about marriage in heaven? <clears throat> that kind of stuff. The next couple that I have on our list, which we can tackle this morning, and so start thinking about this and even some of the questions that you might have as a result, is the Old Testament and the New Testament. So now that we're out of the Old Testament and we're in the New Testament, um, does it really even matter, you know, and things like that? Because I, And I know this because there's been people that have approached me on different things that we believe, such as like, you know, when it comes to that, what about tattoos? And the Old Testament says you're not supposed to have tattoos or mark up your body or all sorts of the way people dress, the way people, whatever. And they always point back to the Old Testament. And so uh, how do we answer those sorts of things? Um, and I think, Lydia, was that part of your question? No, wait, no, yours is the next one. Yours was the exclusivity of Christianity. Yeah. That's got it. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about the Old and New Testament. And that's right, it was your friend, right? Did I get encapsulate that right, do you think, the way she asked it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So how many of you ever thought this before? Okay. All right. And maybe you even struggle with some of that. All right. So how would you answer that question? Like, have you ever had to answer that question before? Or have you tried to think through it at all? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, we know our body is supposed to be like a temple, so we have to keep it like pure. Okay. Yeah, with like, that one, and spe- that specific one about tattoos and yeah. things like that? Okay, okay. Do you remember something about like, you're supposed to learn stuff, like the ideas from stuff in the Old Testament, but the New Testament is the stuff we should like follow. Okay, good. What else we got? Anything else? It's a good starting place. Yeah, Lydia. Oh, Jesus' name written. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what they always say. They're always like, well, that's funny. I've never heard anyone use that verse as a tattoo, but I could see them actually taking that. No, 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 no. No, that Jesus has his name written on his thigh in Revelation 19, and therefore Jesus has a tattoo of his name on his thigh. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus also has other tattoos. It's called, He died for you, and he's got the wounds. All right. Anywho. <laughs> yeah. I just always thought about it like once Jesus died, the veil was torn, basically right. putting an end to the Old Testament. Right. And so everything that was in the Old Testament, while they all had to follow all the laws in order to get, you know, to have it somebody to make sacrifices constantly. And but once that final sacrifice was made and that was torn, a lot of those laws became not almost unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you shouldn't go murder people. Like that still applies, but yeah. like some a lot of them were just made unnecessary because Jesus died, and now it brings in the new wave of the church age. Okay, good. All right, yeah, go ahead, Haley. I was just kind of like trying to expand upon that. Okay, good. Because, like what he was saying, like the veil was torn because you don't go to a priest or anything to like confess your sins. Like uh-huh. you don't have to do that anymore. You can go straight to God. Right. So like it's with the same with everything. Like. 
it's not the same. Right. It's just, it's a new, it's different. Okay. So, like, it's, the, it's still the same baseline, so you're not supposed to, you're still not supposed to kill anybody or lie, but you don't have to go to a priest, you don't have to, like, do, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, the Old Testament's written to Jews. Yeah. And we're not Jewish. Okay. And so our books are in the New Testament, written to Gentiles. Okay. Okay. Good. So those apply more to us. Yeah. All right, Ken. I usually just go back to what you talked about, uh, time periods. Yeah. Like there was a time when all we had to do was not eat some fruit to have fellowship with God. Right. But that's changed since uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> Man. Honestly, wouldn't that be great? All right, if you're going to be saved, don't eat bananas. <laughs> well, then you wouldn't be saved, Jamie. <laughs> All right, good, good point. All right, what else we got, Jamie? Okay, it's a good launching pad. All right, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> now, this is an argument that's been around basically since the death of Christ. Because how many times can you think of in the scriptures where, for example, circumcision was brought up, where they're like, no, 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 you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And then Paul's like, no, you don't. But yet, according to the Old Testament law, that was part of the deal. So, so this, I mean, this is something that has been baffling people for a long time. And then the other side of this, too, and this is, I think, another part of the question, which I, I think I can get to in a little bit, is how many times have you heard people say, or do, do different questions, well, I don't worship the God of the Old Testament. Because the God of the Old Testament is vicious he's vengeful he's full of wrath but the god of the new testament is love you know and you hear stuff like that and here's the deal if we're going to be christians then you have to believe the whole bible you have to because all of it is god's word in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth is in the old testament does that mean it no longer applies absolutely not you know, when, even when you have the Ten Commandments, like when I think about this, I think when people say, well, the Old Testament is gone now, they're thinking of the Ten Commandments. They're thinking of the 600 and plus 
laws that the Jews had to follow. But if you say, well, the Old Testament is gone, no, 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 you can't say that because God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. That's what Hebrews talks about. Uh, you got Malachi 3 that talks about um, how Jesus, that, that, he, that he doesn't change. He said, I am the Lord, I change not. So he does not change. And so if God does not change, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament both have to be applied. But God did things differently. Well, just because God does things differently doesn't mean that he changes? No. Absolutely not. I mean, there's some days where I'm working on this particular day. And then the next day I'm not working and I'm doing stuff at home. Or I'm helping my kids with sports or doing other things. Does that mean that I'm a completely different person just because I stop working one day and I start working at home the next? Or I go on vacation? Absolutely. <laughs> no. No. It doesn't change me at all. I'm still me, but I'm just doing different things at different times. This is just – this is simple. This is logic. But a lot of people don't have logic when it comes to God because they don't want logic when it comes to God. Because if they had logic when it came to God, they'd actually get saved instead of going to hell. But they love their sin too much. And so they make an illogical God that doesn't make any sense. So they don't have to submit to his authority. Little do they know that eventually they will have to anyway. So this is part of this whole crazy theological argument. All right. So in Romans 2, you got Romans 1 that talks about God in creation and how creation proves the existence of God. And then chapter 2 talks about religion. And how when it comes to religion and the religion of the Jews specifically, how they started creating laws that were over and above what God required and it ended up making them hypocrites. And that's why it says in verse 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou, thou that judgest doest the same things. And so it talks about their hypocrisy. And so then it kind of works through all this a little bit. And then it says in verse 28, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is, in, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision that, it, that, that of the heart is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. Now what he's saying there is, according to the Old Testament law, that for a Jew to be saved back during that dispensation, it wasn't about their outward acts. It was not about their outward acts at all. It wasn't about them doing certain sacrifices, keeping certain feasts. It wasn't about those things. Salvation did not come to the Jew because they kept feasts, because they were circumcised, because they offered 10% of, of their crops at the right time, because they worshiped in Jerusalem and nowhere else, because they refused to worship Baal. They were not saved because of those things. They were saved because inwardly, in their heart, in their spirit, they were submissive to God. And because in their heart and in their spirit, they were submissive to God, then because of that, they did those things. They celebrated the feasts. They did the sacrifices. Their salvation was never about their works. It was never about their works. It was about their faith towards the Lord. But God did say, you must do these things. So because inwardly they were submissive, then they became obedient in those things and it brought them salvation. So it's the same today. You can come to church and you can participate, which is a good thing. You can give money to the church. You can read your Bible every day. You can pray, but you can be lost. Because inwardly, you've never submitted humbly to God. And you've never called upon him for salvation. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Now, the only difference today is that God does not require you to go to church. 
He doesn't require you to do those, do those things. He wants you to, but he doesn't require it. So it's a big difference. But it's kind of the same deal. And so that's why in chapter 3 now, it brings in a similar question. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of the circumcision? So why, I mean, so what's the point? If, if, you're not, if, if being a Jew is, is only required on the inside, then what's the point of even being a Jew? And what's the advantage that they have? And then look at verse 2. Much every way, chiefly, so there are many advantages of being a Jew, but chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. That's another term for the Old Testament. The Old Testament. So the Old Testament, were give, they were given by God to the Jews. And so why would that be an advantage for a Jew? Why would that be an advantage for them? Okay, let's go back in time, all right? Let's say half this room, Brandon, over here. You guys are Jews, okay? You guys, Gentiles. <laughs> all right, so as the Jews, God visited you, and he gave you prophets, and through those prophets, he gave you his word, and he said, these are the things that you must do in order to be right with me. And he told that only to you, not you guys, just to you. What advantage do you have now? Go ahead. Yes. Do they? No. But you guys do. Now, this is also why, as you study the Old Testament, you'll find this out. This is why God wanted the Jews to go to them. Right? So it's the same thing. For us today that are born again, we know how to get right with God. And God desires for us to go to them, to the lost. It's the same thing. Now, the reason why it is the way it is today, now think about this for a second. The reason why it is this way is because the Jews didn't do their job. They didn't do their job to go to the Gentiles in order to give them what was needed in order to be right with God. So what do you think is going to happen for us born-again believers if we don't do our job? God's going to use someone else, and guess who he's going to use? He's going to use the Jews. He's going to bring it back around, and he's going to use the Jews. But in order to use the Jews, he's got to bring this thing that's called the tribulation. And it's going to work them over as a nation until they're finally broken. But for you individually, that's what God is wanting you to do. And that's why for some of you that are saved, you're right with God, but you are stubbornly disobedient to anything he wants you to do, that he has got to bring in massive tribulation in order to break you to actually be obedient. That was my life. And that's what's got to unfold. So he may not, or there might be little elements where God's being very gracious. Well, he'll bring you this trial or that trial or this trial over here, or he'll do this over here. But if you don't respond to those little things and get right with God because of those things he's trying to get your attention with, guess what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to bring an antichrist level tribulation to rock you to your core and maybe burn two thirds of your life up in order to get your attention. That's his pattern. It's what he does. So think about that. Just think about that. That alone is very convicting to me and the things in my life. God has been very good to us. And that's why it says in Romans 2 that the goodness of God brings us to repentance. When you understand how good God has been to you. Because the same, I've shared this with you with my kids. Same thing. 
I will be gracious and I'll tell my kids no. And then if I have to keep saying no and I have to keep saying no, eventually I have to get harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and make them miserable in order for them to be able to actually respond in obedience towards me. I hate that. I hate that as a father. And so does God. You think God likes to slaughter people? No. No. Not at all. Why would he? It breaks him at his very core of his heart. In the Old Testament, when you see God slaughtering people, you think he actually enjoyed that? No. No, not if you believe the Bible. So think about that. All right, so then in chapter 3, he kind of goes through and he starts talking about how, you know, how to, how to basically be right with God. But then he goes through here. Let's see here. Let's look at verse... 22. Take a look at verse 22 in Romans 3. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Talking about the Old Testament law. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness, not yours, his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. See, it's not about you. Verse 23 says you've fallen short, but you can be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. So God sent Christ to be your propitiation to give you his righteousness. And so this is where Christians get this completely wrong because in my Bible, I specifically highlighted in two places, in 25 and 26, where it says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare right here his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past and the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he, Jesus, might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. And so we cannot, cannot, cannot earn our own salvation. In the Old Testament, you had the Ten Commandments. Do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and nine, ten, plus all these other six hundred ones, and then you'll be right with God. Well, as a Jew, guess what's going to happen? Because if we believe Romans three twenty three, what does it say? All have sinned. Okay, so a Jew tries to obey Commandment five, Commandment two, Commandment ten. What's going to happen? Failure. Yes, failure. They're going to break that. And then what happens according to the Old Testament law? Okay, they have to repent in their heart for sure. But what, what was required? A sacrifice. A certain sacrifice for certain sins. Okay, so you had to offer that burnt offering or that sin offering. And you had to bring exactly what God required according to the Old Testament law in order to be right with God. And that would cover your sins, according to Hebrews, just for a moment, because you'd sin again and you'd have to do it again. Do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. Until Jesus showed up. Because all of the Old Testament laws and all the sacrifices were pictures of Jesus Christ. They were temporary coverings for what God wanted to do permanently. And so when Christ showed up, according to Hebrews chapter 10, it says that he, once for all, once for all, once for all, he was the final sacrifice for sin. Because it's not about us being able to do what's right and wrong, because we can't. And so in order to be saved, you need to have his righteousness, because you don't have any. You don't have any. And so that's why God set it up, that we are justified freely 
according to his righteousness. And how do you get his righteousness? Look at 26 again. That he, Jesus, might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So the moment that you trust Christ as your savior, the justifier, Jesus, can now declare, I'm giving you my righteousness so you can be clean. And so that's why for many of us, the Old Testament law, yes, it doesn't apply anymore. But when you go back and you study the book of Leviticus, when you go back and you study the book of Numbers, you go back and you study the book of Exodus, guess what happens? Because we know the book of Hebrews. All of a sudden, I'm going through all these sacrifices and I'm reading through and I'm seeing this and that and I'm like, that's Jesus. And I'm learning more about my Savior because of what I read through the Old Testament law. It's amazing. All of a sudden, it opens up so many different things. Like, why do they do this sacrifice that way? Well, that's like how Christ has been with me. Well, what about this over here? How do, why did God? That's because that's how Christ is with me. And you could start going through stuff like that. It is amazing. And that's why it says in verse 27, where is boasting then? Is it excluded by the law of, of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision, another term for the Jews, by faith, and the uncircumcision, another term for the Gentiles, through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Okay, right there is your answer. So now that we have this thing by faith, does that mean that we just throw out the Old Testament? What is Paul's answer? God forbid. No, absolutely not. We don't get, a, get rid of it. In fact, it says, yay, we established the law. Why? Why would God say that? Because, I mean, if you, if you can't say that, and then you just have a bunch of people like I say, and they go live lost, and also you want to grow closer to God, which you would do if you would be more like him. Yeah. Okay, now that, okay, so follow that line of thinking. That's what creates very, very legalistic Christians, right? I'm not saying you're wrong, because you are right. Because when you study the Old Testament law, you know what it does for me? I understand the heart of God better. <clears throat> does God say I have to obey everything? No, that's not what it says. It says we establish the law. Does it say you have to obey the law? No, it says you establish it. It's like a foundation, it's like a foundation. So when you go back, you understand, why did God do that? It helps you to understand more about who God is. In fact, the New Testament, Paul has said completely opposite. Let me look up this reference here really quick. Um, let's see here. It's going to be in one of the Corinthians. First Corinthians, let's see here, 6. It's mentioned in two places. Go to First Corinthians 6. And as we go through this, guys, if you have any other questions, feel free to throw them in because this is something that's very, very important because more than, gosh, I mean, a good portion of your Bible, two-thirds of your Bible is Old Testament. And so, you know, when it comes to this, this is very important. If you ever do like an annual reading plan, which I would highly recommend if you don't have anything like that set up, you're going to be spending the majority of your year in the Old Testament. So you need to be able to understand this. And there's a lot of people that throw out Christianity because they just don't want to believe the Old Testament. And they use that as an excuse not to believe God. This is very important. All right, so 1 Corinthians 6. Take a look at verse 
All right, verse 12. Okay, somebody read that. Sam, go ahead. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Okay, so when Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, what does that mean? Break it down, use a bit of logic in your brain, and you're going to get the answer. Go ahead, Ken. Okay. Now, now there's people that have a hard time with that. But when he says all, what does that mean? Everything. Everything. All things. Okay. What about things? What are things? Objects. Subjects. <laughs> Stuff. Okay. So all things are lawful. So let's put that to, put that in your own words. All things are lawful. Everything is okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Everything is lots of... All right. <laughs> My kids love that movie. All right. So, you can do whatever you want. Right? Okay. So, let's, let's run with this for a second, because I think this is something that hits, hits us at our core. Can you go and drink alcohol? Yes. Yes. Can you sleep around? Yes. Yes. Can you lie to your parents about everything you're doing? Yes. yes. Can you steal clothing from stores and not pay for anything? Yes, absolutely. Can you speed in your car and get away with it? Do that all the time. <laughs> just, start, just start naming some of these things, or maybe things that you struggle with. Are, are, can you do them? Okay, and in doing them, does it somehow make you lose favor with God? I mean, you might lose, like, a personal connection, but you're not going to go to hell. Okay, you're not going to go to hell, so you don't lose favor with God. Right? You don't lose favor with God. Why? Because according to Romans 3, what do you got? His righteousness. Okay. So there's a lot of people that say, well, as a Christian, you mean you can do whatever you want and you can still go to heaven? Yes. But you can't just stop there. What does it say? But all things are not expedient. What does expedient mean? Okay, the results in good, okay? So I can do all things, but all things are not expedient. And then it says, after that, all things are lawful to me, so he repeats it again, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meditate on that one for a second. What things in your life are you brought under the power of because your flesh desires it and wants to do it, and it's not of God? Because I think we are highly addicted to so many different things that's robbing our attention and our heart away from things that belong to the Lord. And that's why I will never say up here, you shouldn't listen to a certain type of music. You shouldn't be watching certain movies. You shouldn't be on social media. You shouldn't be, you know, on your phone, X amount of, uh, whatever, hours a day. Um, I won't, I'm not going to do that. I don't have to. Because you have the freedom to do whatever you want. However, however, if it's going to bring you into the, under the power of itself, then you now have effectively come, become totally and completely fruitless. Totally and completely. All things are lawful. You can do whatever you want and you can go to heaven. You can be saved. But not everything is for your good. 
And he says, all things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And that is a godly man speaking there. And that is very wise counsel. Very, very wise counsel. Yeah. Another verse that goes with that is 10.23, which is, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Yes, exactly. So that goes right along with it. goes right along with it. I showed him that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the next verse. So, so... <clears throat> This is why we're not bound by the Old Testament law. But when you study the Old Testament law, you get to understand the heart of God. And understanding the heart of God, you can become a lot more just wise and discerning about everything in your life. And so when it comes to your life, you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Now, in some of your guys' lives, I do come into your life and I say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Now, why would I do that? Just because you care. (laughs) Because I love you. (laughs) Yeah. It hurts. It'll hurt us. In yeah. That's part of my job. I'm a pastor. That's what pastors do. Pastors are supposed to shepherd their people. And so if you willingly come in here and want to participate in the youth ministry, you have effectively given me the right to come into your life and say, hey, I'm concerned about you. Now you can turn and say, well, how dare you? Well, you shouldn't judge me. Okay, my bad. Sorry for loving and caring about you. I'm just, you know, go ahead and I'll throw that back in your face. If you're going to be that sarcastic, I'll come back with that one. Because that's really what's going on here. I never, if I ever approach any of you, if I ever talk to any of you about anything, there is never any ill will in my heart towards you. Ever. Ever. And I can say the same for Pastor Jay and Pastor Tom. Now, the way they might come across may make it seem like they do, because, and that's because we have differing personalities. And I know that my personality doesn't flow well with other people. I know that. It's the same way that Tom is, is with other people. We're, we're very different people. And that's why he's very effective at ministering to certain types of people, and I'm effective at ministering to certain types of people. So when it comes to this, this thing that we do here at church, if you come in here and you participate and you walk through this door, you've effectively given me that, that ability. Now, the awkward part is... I don't want to do that, per se, because I'm invading your life. I'm invading your space. I'm invading your free will decisions that you have every right to make a decision whatever you want. However, me before God, God is going to – he's going to hold me accountable and saying, Stephen, why didn't you go and talk to this person? Or why didn't you deal with that? And I'm going to be like – and then the same thing. He's going to approach you and say, why didn't you deal with this? I was convicting you. The spirit of God that I put inside of you the moment you were saved was convicting you to stop drinking. It was going to convict you to stop listening to that music. It was going to convict you to stop playing so many stinking hours of video games. It was going to convict you about how less time you're spending in God's word over a period of time and more for yourself. And how many, how many hours you wasted binge watching Netflix, Hulu, and all these other things. I was convicting you, but you just ignored me. You ignored me. You ignored me. I was convicting you to go to talk to that person, and today they're in hell. And, but you know what? They would have maybe listened to you, and they would have gotten saved. I mean, there's so many things like that that we know. We know what we need to be doing, but we're not sensitive to the Spirit's leading in our life. So when it comes to this thing, the Old Testament is very, very valuable. I do not follow the Old Testament law. But when it comes to things like you know, the issue of I mean, just like tattoos and things like that. Personally, for me, I don't like tattoos. I just don't. And I, between me and the Lord, I know that if I were to do that, I would violate God according to my conscience. Now, does God give me the freedom to do that? He does. But that is a decision that I made between me and him. And so I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. 
But that doesn't mean that I look down upon Andy and Jamie for having tattoos. Why would I do that? Especially if they've used them for opportunities to evangelize people. Great. But for me, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. That's my conviction. So these sorts of things are very, very, very important. You need to take some time to really, really think about this stuff. Super, super important. All right, any questions off of that? Old Testament, New Testament, Romans, 1 Corinthians, anything. Bobby. Just add in, I remember I was struggling with it, discipleship, way back when I was in the senior high, and I was asking Jay about it. I'm like, okay, but I'm, we're using the Ten Commandments to witness, but we come to the Sabbath. I mean, none of us, you know, we, nobody keeps the Sabbath. And he's like, really logically, he's like, think about it. The law died when Jesus Christ died upon that cross. Right. But Jesus Christ reestablished essentially the new law. And that was really one of the only Ten Commandments he never mentioned. He talks about adultery. He talks about murder. He yep. talks, you know, honoring your parents. You know, all those things. But he never mentions the Sabbath. He's like, there's yep. no need for that. Your rest is, you know, in him. And, yeah. But, yeah, when you think about it, like you said, when you apply logic, it makes sense. But I think sometimes we're afraid to approach the Bible like that because we're afraid right. to see things certain ways. Right. Exactly. And really the Ten Commandments is definitely more of a moral law. And that's why it applies across the board. Now, when it comes to the Sabbath... Really, that is God's commandment for a person to be saved. I mean, it really is. Because the moment you're saved, you have rest in Jesus Christ. He is your Sabbath. That's what Hebrews talks about. So if you want to apply that from a doctrinal perspective, it is still it still fits in the Ten Commandments, and it is that person needs to be born again. I've never thought about that until Bobby was talking about it. So, But things like that, just think about it. Just think about it. All right, any other questions? Comments? Nada? Okay. All right. You got one? Go ahead. It was kind of earlier. We were talking about it, but like you said, if the Jews had, or the Jews were supposed to bring the, the like the, the teachings of God to the world, yeah. but they didn't do it. So now yeah. it's our job. And so the tribulation is going to happen. So if the Jews had done their job with the rapture and all that, not have to happen. Right. And it would have never been written. I mean, it wouldn't. Have. See, that's what's really interesting. When you take a look at it, and I'm going to give you a very short answer on this one because I could go way long on this. <laughs> so the Old Testament was written. They're looking for the Messiah. The Messiah shows up. If the Jews would have been doing their job all along, there's a good chance that the entire world could have been evangelized. And then when Christ showed up, then he would have had his kingdom and his people ready to go. And he would have had it taken out, you know, because there's still Old Testament prophecies about the Antichrist and things like that. But everything would have fit. Everything would have completely fit. So if the Jews would have done their job, there would have been no us. There would have been no church. And Jesus Christ would be ruling and reigning from the throne in Jerusalem. Um, he still would have had to die. Because there's the Old Testament fulfillment of that, um, but when you look at when you look at all the prophecies of like the last days and stuff, it's all about Rome. It's all about Rome, and it's all about the Antichrist. And so Rome was around when Christ was there. Judas was there. Side note for those of you that know that. And so you come to all that, you still have the elements. You still got the Antichrist. You still got the Roman Empire. You still have all that. And Christ would have died, and he would have come probably immediately back, and he would have just crushed the Roman Empire and then set up his kingdom, which is what they wanted him to do anyway, which he should have been able to do. But the Jews didn't do their job. And you can study that in Romans 
uh, 9, 10, and 11, especially 11, uh, where it talks about there's this olive tree and how the olive tree is the Jews, it's the nation of Israel, and how we were grafted into that olive tree to do our job. So we are a wild olive branch that has now been grafted into the olive tree of God to do our job, but there's going to come a time where that branch is then taken out and the Jews are put back in. So, all right, anything else? Okay. All right, good. So let's be more obedient this week. You know, out of all the things we talked about this morning, um, you are free to do whatever you want. Uh, But when it comes to you being a disciple of Jesus Christ, you technically really aren't. I mean, yeah, you're free to make whatever decision that you want. But, I mean, there are certain things that we got to follow because we've submitted ourselves to the Lord. And so uh, because of that, then we should live differently. Um, I know that when I've lived that way, when I've done whatever I've wanted... And uh, I've been so convicted by God that I've just been absolutely miserable, absolutely miserable until I was able to get right with God again. And, um, and I'm telling you, when you, if you belong to God and you live for God, man, there's nothing like it. It is so sweet. It is so sweet. And why we desire anything else is beyond me. So let's be more obedient this week. God, thank you so much for this morning and the things that we learned. I pray, God, that we would apply these things with all of our heart. I pray that we would uh, be able to have a great service this morning for Mother's Day and uh, that you would just really help us this week to um, just glorify you in all that we say and that we do. Thank you for being so kind and so gracious and so patient towards us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.